Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello. Okay, we have to start with something. This is by surprise. I did not prepare oh, Jocelyn no. at all for this. Is it more Sonic? It is, I promise you, 100%. It's not more Sonic. I just need to grab this. Okay, so Jocelyn, I need you to check inside Alex. Go. What? Okay, that didn't make sense. There's a backup code here. No, it makes sense. It makes sense. Okay, it makes sense. What? <laughs> okay, there was a... Okay, so... <laughs> Alex is... Um, the, it's like my um, drawers of... Um, like, we got it from Ikea. And you know how Ikea names all their furniture? Oh. So, yeah, it's like the, the set of drawers that's beside my desk that holds my printer. Um, there was a package in it. Yeah. <laughs> the, oh, okay. This is what you mean? Okay, That's for what, you. So you can open it and, and open it on the show for everybody to hear. <laughs> for everyone to... Oh, to hear. Okay. <laughs> that was the card. It says, Mary, Mary. Uh-huh. Aw. Okay. So it says... Uh, since PlayStation isn't giving you a Horizon Forbidden West PS5, TGI wanted to step up and do what Sony couldn't. Thank you for all you do. Merry Christmas, and here's to 2022 with more Horizon. Enjoy from Babylon Redeemer, Jim, Matt, Ryan, Travis, and Whirlwind. Thank you guys so much. I haven't even haven't even opened anything but the card, and I'm already like... <laughs> the card kind of spoils it. I guess I should have thought about that, but... You don't know what's inside. You open it. I'm excited. It's, it's like it's big, but it's like flat. So I'm a mm. little bit confused. I'm trying to open it as fast <laughs> as possible and as, as crinkly as possible. So everybody knows what I'm doing. But this is maybe terrible radio. <laughs> no, through the magic of editing, we'll we'll we'll, we'll pump this up. <laughs> well, I just <laughs> I want I want everyone to know what I'm doing, but yeah. we don't want to like. <laughs> Be I'm annoying. Opening, I'm <laughs> like if it sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I am pulling out. Oh, this is so cool! It's like stickers to go on my thing on my PlayStation. Mm -hmm. And it said "Do not bend," and they actually didn't bend it, oh. so it should still work. <laughs> I was gonna say, and they bend it. Like, hopefully, they didn't bend it. It's, it seemed like you could have gone either way there, but that's good. Oh, this looks so cool. It's like Aloy. Oh, wait, I don't have scissors, so I don't think I can actually open up and see the whole thing. But yeah, it's got like Aloy with like the the old rusted out overgrown skyscraper behind her. And like, oh, man, this is so cool. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. So there's uh, so there's I, I'm pretty sure there's like two stickers for the PlayStation 5. And then there should be a separate design for the controller. You might have to open it up and see it. But I think you got the the gist of it. So I, I'm, uh, yeah, hopefully you enjoy it. I know that uh, PlayStation did not offer any special edition. They didn't. And I was so mad. <laughs> <laughs> Although <laughs> they did bring out those, uh, and I don't think we actually talked about it, but the, the replaceable cover things, they brought out a whole bunch of different colors. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at the purple and I was like, that's a really pretty purple. Maybe I'll just make my console purple. <laughs> and uh, this is better. This is better. Sweet. Oh, I'm glad <laughs> you enjoyed it. PlayStation. There you go. Yeah. Well, uh, we uh, I know it, it, it stemmed from the conversation of those cover plates. And we were like, wow, if they're not making the cover plates to be like, you know, they're going to come out with, you know, branded, you know, cover plates with characters and stuff. But of course, they come out with just like the different colors to start. So we thought, you know what? 
let's just skip to the end. Let's let's take care of this. So now you'll have a PlayStation 5 controller and console in the Horizon Forbidden West feel for when you play that in February. So Yay! Thank you guys so much. And honestly, um, I don't know if everyone who's named on the card has actually seen the card, but Ryan, you did an excellent job choosing the card. It is oh. very glittery, and I love glittery Christmas. I love glitter anyways, but yeah, glittery Christmas cards make me very happy. That was all Matt. I mean, Matt. I was going to uh, say, unless it was Matt. It I was couldn't Matt. tell. I was like, <laughs> the he was our inside kind of looks like Matt, but well, I guess so. I mean, if you came all the way here to put a gift in my office and didn't say hi, I'd be pretty mad. <laughs> That's true. No, Matt uh, helped us out. Uh, he was uh, able to sort of put together a package and, and put it in your office there while, while you were recording. Wait, so he did the rapping too? <laughs> yeah, so now you know he can he can rap. Yeah, now I know he can rap. He's so... busted. Oh, I have so many <laughs> chores for him now. <laughs> yeah, he's going to have to wrap all those gifts now. So uh, yeah, no, he did all the wrapping. I, I we, we took care of like the shipping and the design and stuff. But uh, yeah, no, I know... Uh, he he was instrumental in making sure we could make this a surprise. And when he we the timing sort of aligned for us to do it live on the show, I was like, oh, we have to. It'll be perfect. <laughs> so I asked him for code as to where he left it in your office. And he said, he said, check inside Alex. I'm like, I don't know what that means, but um, <laughs> hopefully Jocelyn will know. And there's backup here of just top drawer if she's confused by this. <laughs> oh, no, I knew right where to go. <laughs> OK, perfect. Perfect. Well, I'm glad we found it for sure. Oh, that was awesome. Thank you guys so much. So uh, should we give everybody a gift and do our game of the year episode? Yes. Assuming they assuming they think it's a gift. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it is. It is because it'll release around Christmas. And uh, we have a lot of games here that I think people really enjoyed. So I think there's something here for everybody. I hope so. And uh, as always, just a reminder, this is the games that we personally enjoyed the most this year. So this is not meant to be any sort of like industry standard. We played everything and this is the be all end all. This is like of all the things that we played in 2021, including some stuff that technically didn't even come out this year, but were experiences that we had that we really enjoyed. Um, we did get do a top five picks for game of the year and even then like it's not even a, a list of like a ranked list like these are just the five i enjoyed the most <laughs> so i uh, hope you guys enjoy our game of the year uh ryan why don't you kick it off what's your what's your first game sure so i uh I, the first game i wanted to talk about was metroid dread i think this was one people probably predicted as uh, not only a Nintendo game, but a game that is a follow-up to um, a franchise that has been sort of, in terms of new story, has been sort of left waiting. Um, this is technically a sequel to like a 20-year-old game. Um, there's obviously been other Samus games that have come out along the way, but this one is the next entry in the 2D uh, saga. Someone had actually pointed out that like the first Metroid Prime came out right around the same time as Metroid Fusion, which was technically the last time we had new story in in the Metroid uh, franchise uh, or the Metroid 2D franchise. So yeah, I I really love Metroid Dread on Nintendo Switch. I uh, I played a I played through it, you know, got a hundred percent, which is the thing you do with with Metroid games. And I know it's a shorter experience. It's not necessarily one that people are going to be writing as something they're playing you know, for hundreds of hours, it's about a 10 hour experience. But for me, like, that's kind of perfect to be able to 
get in there, enjoy it, complete it, and not have it, you know, take months. Take over your life. <laughs> exactly. And I I know it's expensive. It's a it was I made it more expensive. I have the amiibos here on my desk and uh, <laughs> the art book pristinely not opened in the other room but uh <laughs> as you do i'm so glad you're enjoying all that content <laughs> i know i know i need to i think that so here's the thing with the art book it's not as bad as it sounds um so a long time ago and i think we may have even chronicled this experience on the show but when mass effect 3 came out i got the special edition and it had an art book and i think i went through the art book before i played the game and it contained what I thought at the time could have been spoilers, but it was like sort of a cut thing. Um, it's been long enough. I think it was a picture of the elusive man being infected by like sort of the Reaper virus. And he was like the final boss, but it turns out he wasn't. Um, <laughs> so I thought that was a spoiler. And uh, so now for now on, whenever I get art books, I don't look at them until I finish the game. Uh, and, and sometimes that results in me finishing the game and forgetting <laughs> that the art book is tucked away in the corner <laughs> of my office. Um, so that's what I'll be doing over the holidays is definitely getting that art book out and looking through it. And I know a lot of people are going to say, well, majority of the art book is from previous games. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Well, I don't have an excuse. I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah. Why? Yeah, I I guess I did. So, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed Metroid Dread. I, I, I really liked it. Um, I don't really have too fond an interest in going back and playing it on hard i I thought normal was (laughs) difficult enough yeah (laughs) yeah but i really liked it and uh if they don't make any more of these then uh, they've finally at least made one that that is on a more current hardware so it's nice that they were i think it did very very well i think anything that comes out on switch these days even if it is a underperforming franchise usually does have that switch boost to its numbers so i I'd be surprised if we don't get another one, but um, yeah, Metroid Dread, I, I really liked it. That's That sounds, I mean, like, it's funny because, I mean, I watched Matt play a little bit of it, and I was just like, eh, this isn't for me, but that's why these are personal Game of the Year picks. <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad that you, uh, glad that you really enjoyed that one, because I know, I think a lot of people did. I think a lot of people said that it was kind of like a return to what they really loved about Metroid. Yes. Yeah, they uh, they did a really good job at sort of bringing forward the franchise that we all uh, that we loved from, you know, the SNES and the GBA. And uh, they they you know, the formula was sort of proven with the, the 3DS remake they did of Samus Returns. And they kind of took that and ran with it. And I think that um, even describing like the Emmys, the little robots that chase you like before the game came out, I was like, that sounds super annoying. And <laughs> I think when you finally play it, it it can be annoying the first couple times, but after a while, like it becomes this more rewarding, you know, chase and then being able to survive through all your powers that you have in your, they do give you enough tools to be able to avoid detection and to get away from the killer robot. And then eventually, you know, in that area, you're only dealing with that robot for so long, and then you get the ability to take it out. And um, that was sort of the rinse repeat sort of uh, gameplay loop, and it worked really well. So this the second you got used to that robot, and you're able to get away from it, or at least you know divert its attention, you were getting the ability to take it out, and that was super satisfying. So it was a good like mixture of old school gameplay and then new ideas as well. Mm. So it 
it doesn't completely change the formula. So again, like if a, you know Metroid has never been your jam, then this one's certainly not going to come in and be like, "We fixed Metroid for you." Like it's still very much Metroid, <laughs> but I I love that formula for sure. Yeah, and speaking of still very much that and and formulas and everything else, um, my first game on the list is actually Valhalla. So this is from the Assassin's Creed franchise, which technically came out in 2020, but took up a lot of my early 2021. Um, I still haven't played all the way through it because it's just so big, but it's one of those games that I've gone back to over the course of the year and just kind of like poked away at, done another area, done another quest. And it just, it's so pretty and it has such an interesting like story. I really love playing as my character and uh, yeah, I just... An Assassin's Creed title, and this is why it it made my list, is an Assassin's Creed title hasn't like grabbed my attention in this way since Black Flag. And Black Flag was the was the first Assassin's Creed that I actually like played all the way through. All the other ones, like, they were all right. And I know a lot of people really loved, especially the first one, but um, yeah, they never really grabbed me until um Black Flag and then again, didn't really keep my attention until and to the point that like the the grander, like overarching story, I'm so lost. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, the stuff when you go back in time, I'm like, OK, this storyline, I understand. <laughs> so um, but yeah, it's been it's been a really, really good game. Really interesting. It's It's just one of those like you can spend 150 hours in it easy. So it's just taking me some time to pick away at. But uh, yeah, it's one of my favorite, like sit on the couch and relax and play games. Yeah, I need to get back to that. Oh, it's <laughs> it's on. It's funny when I first looked at the list and I was way behind on prepping the list. And I, I said to Jocelyn, hey, when you get a chance, just put your stuff in the notes. And she's like, I'm way ahead of you. And <laughs> it's already done. <laughs> it's already done. And I just I didn't bother to check. I didn't check the notes and I should have done that. But then I saw it and I was like, oh, Valheim. I remember she played that last year. But then I keep confusing the two, not because the games yeah. are similar, but their names are so close. Yeah, Valhalla and Valheim. Yeah. yeah. And which I did uh, play a little bit of Valheim. And I know it was one of those like when it came out, it was all everyone was playing for a couple of weeks. And I do think it's definitely uh, worth a mention. But um, it just it wasn't for me. It was one of those like kind of survival type things. And and it just the, those in general are not my my favorite kind of games. But yeah, no, Valhalla from the Assassin's Creed franchise. Yeah. <laughs> I I have this on the PlayStation 5 and um I think I even pr- I I got the I bought it when it was on sale so I ended up doing the math and I'm like I'm just going to pre-purchase like the season pass too so they added a huge expansion for Ireland and and uh I believe uh the Siege of Paris was another one they added and I just haven't gone back and I think they just announced um not only a crossover event between Odyssey and Valhalla uh where Cassandra shows up in Valhalla mm. But also like an additional year of expansions focusing more on the mythological stuff um, where you go back and you're playing as Odin again. So, yeah, not that it'll help you understand the story. I certainly don't know what's going on either, but uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to uh, to getting. In. Yeah, they're, they are. Um, they're supporting this particular title for, for quite a while, which is exciting. Um, I don't actually know if or when there's another Assassin's Creed coming out. Yeah, well, I think they they had normally like for a while it was like every year, right? It was they they sort of pre-announced um, 
uh, Assassin's Creed uh, Infinite or in- Infinity. I can't remember which one of those two. And it's sort of like going forward as a platform. Um, but Valhalla has let, has been the last one and they have not announced. Uh, I think the idea that they have a second year of content, it was court- sort of the idea of like, we're not going to build another Assassin's Creed just yet. We're going to, you know, I don't want to say tack on because that's definitely reducing the amount of work it takes to put a DLC out. Um, but uh, they, they've added more content to Valhalla in place of like another fully realized Assassin's Creed. But um, the Infinite or Assassin's Creed, whatever platform is supposed to be coming out. Assassin's Creed Infinity, Infinity. is what it's called. Yeah, that makes more sense. Infinite. I mean, it'd be well with Halo out. It would be kind of weird to have another Infinite, but that's kind of the idea behind all these like games mm-hmm. that are moving to a platform it kind of it it fits now you have infinite and you have infinity and like i'm sure there are other games that use those those names and such but uh i don't think you can have any more they've taken they've been taken now halo's got infinite assassin's creed's got infinity um you're gonna have to find another word that means <laughs> lots of stuff so <laughs> lots of stuff going on forever yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah it sounds fantastic <laughs> I mean, like, so I'm just looking it up now and uh, it says it will be similar to Fortnite and Grand Theft Auto Online. And I'm just like, ugh. but I'm sure that they just mean in that. I mean, you could lump probably Warcraft in there, too, in that it will have patches and and evolving story and expansions and stuff as opposed to being which I mean, kind of makes sense. I mean, they must be re maybe not rebuilding, but like repurposing a lot of stuff every time and it's just like why don't you just use your same base game and just put your extra story stuff on top <laughs> yeah i don't i i mean again like you're you're absolutely right like i think when for some of these uh for some of these you know games it, it makes sense i think for ubisoft to go the infinite or the infinity route i think um it's i hope it i hope it works i mean one thing that i do really enjoy is um like having these single player um like contained experiences which you know for a while we didn't seem to get a lot of those everybody was bringing out a game as a service and then there's just too many to keep up with so i mean like having just well i mean like horizon zero dawn having just like hey okay there's a little bit of dlc there's you know the the base game which was great and then that is it's done right like now they're moving on a few years down the road to do the same thing again it'll have a base game with some dlc and then it's done and uh yeah so i mean i'm i'm kind of on the fence of whether that's a good idea or not but um I mean, it means that we're going to get Assassin's Creed content annually again, right? Or, well, actually, probably more often than that. So I'm down with that. But uh, yeah, so Valhalla was my was my first first entry into my game of the year this year. And I have another one that's technically not a 2021 release. So I hope you guys don't get mad at me. But <laughs> um, Graveyard Keeper, which I just kind of missed in 2018 when it came out, um, I loved that game so much. It was like Stardew Valley, except with like graves. <laughs> yeah, dead people, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it had like a, a really like funny, quirky kind of like sense of humor to it. The puzzle solving in that like you had to like do a whole bunch of things to get the piece that you needed to give to the person on the certain day of the week, like that sort of like puzzle solving aspect was really fun for me. Um, It had that like occult twist in a lot of places, which I found really interesting. It's like 
they took Stardew Valley, which was already good, and then just gave it an occult skin, which really appeals to me personally, and just made this super fun, really enjoyable um, game for me. So uh, yeah, Graveyard Keeper definitely made my list. I think I played it for like a solid, probably solid month. <laughs> it was my like go-to short bursts little game that like if I only had like an hour to play I'm like okay I'll just pick up Graveyard Keeper I got a couple things to do over there and you know like I'd solve a puzzle and then put it away for a bit and uh, I man I really love that game and I don't usually like games with that aesthetic that was the other thing that was kind of interesting to me is like I enjoyed the gameplay loop so much that I didn't really care that it was like 16 bit or whatever yeah, it's got that old school feel, like similar yeah. to Stardew Valley, I think, with the... Uh, it's all of... pixely. Yeah, I uh, I hadn't played that one. Uh, I know it's popped up a bunch. It's been on Game Pass. It's come and gone on Game Pass, I think. And I, I mean, I could probably pick it. I I didn't actually check. I think the Steam sale is running like right now. So if you're listening to this show, you can just go to Steam and type in like half these things and get them on sale that's true yeah (laughs) that's one of the perks of not using 2021 games is that everything we're talking about is probably 80 percent off (laughs) but you know you'd be surprised what you can find for games that had just come out i mean at least 30 to well not nintendo games so i apologize to those that wanted to pick up metroid dread on the on the cheap but uh (laughs) yeah like i i think graveyard keeper is one of those things that i wish um I wish A, I played more tablet games and B, I wish it was on tablets because I feel like it'd be really fun to just kind of like tap around in that game as opposed to using a controller. It might actually be on iOS and I'm just, I know Stardew Valley is, but uh, like Graveyard Keeper has been around for a while. Didn't they just have a big expansion? I know Brian Dunaway plays it a lot and (laughs) every time I listen to Boop, uh, there's like a a Graveyard Keeper update. (laughs) (laughs) that he talks about it not that they are updating the game every week but um yeah i think there was a big expansion now now i can't remember graveyard keeper Um, i don't know i haven't gone back to it in uh in a little while now so Mm -hmm. yeah oh it's on switch there it is (laughs) you can pick it up on switch but either way that sounds really cool i need to go to it i i think you're it you know what looking at the screenshots again it, it does have that similar feel to stardew valley but it also feels like they've kind of um uh they they've kind of like up like they've put more detail into it a little bit more detail yeah. in, into the it do, yeah yeah that's very true yeah so it is out on ios i didn't know that so there you go learn new things every day there you are is it possibly the black skylands bundle is that the the new content released oh it could be yeah oh maybe not that looks like a totally different game i'm so confused well, I guess the Steam sale didn't start. I thought it was supposed to start. No, I think it starts tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> now there's a bunch of so there's a bunch of there's three expansions. There's uh, Stranger Sins, Game of Crone, and Better Save Soul. So all TV. That's interesting. All TV things. And I don't know what Black Black Skylands might be another game by the same developer. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Yeah, now I can see content for the game. So yeah, I guess I don't have any of those three. I've just been playing the base game. So, oh, man, I feel like as we're talking about our game of the year, I'm like, man, I have so much still to play from these titles. It's crazy. Now, don't don't go buy it just yet. Just wait a couple days. Yeah, no, I've trust me. I did not push the button. I will wait for the sale because that is the kind of stuff that will probably be discounted. Yes, for sure. For sure. Um, I was going to say, like, I, I mean, I 
I was when I was building my list, I didn't put together. I, I always I try to put like a smaller experience on the list. Um, most of the stuff is like all like triple A, not triple A, but like bigger games. But uh, it's kind of weird, like thinking about buying a new console this year. And um, the only next gen experience I have on here is my next one, which is Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. And I mean, technically, uh, there's a couple other experiences, but in terms of like a, you know, a big, you know, bombastic experience of a video game, Ratchet and Clank is really the only one I have on here for next gen. But um, I'm such a huge fan of that franchise and the fact that they, you know, Insomniac Games leading the charge in, in building like, you know, uh, first year PlayStation 5 games. Like I think, you know, for a lot of people, including you, Horizon was the I'm going to buy a PS5 for that. Um, for me, yes. like it, it was down the road for sure. It was it was a nice bonus, but for me, it was like Ratchet and Clank being a an actual exclusive. It's only available on PS5, and uh, it's a franchise I really adore. And they did they did such a great job with that one and telling again like a story that is moving the narrative forward. It's answering questions that have been set up for the last decade in the franchise, but also like doing new and exciting things with next-gen technology with like the world swapping where you were instantly loading into a new environment um that was completely different from the last essentially they were having like two worlds loaded at the same time simultaneously and allowing you to jump back and forth um sort of like the medium but but more interesting but uh (laughs) and i almost did put the medium on my list because i did i did enjoy it but then i remembered oh no i played that on pc and it like did not run very well it was not yeah Yeah. not where the experience was meant to be had (laughs) yeah but i really enjoyed ratchet and clank rift apart and uh i love that they introduced new characters and we got jennifer hale in there as a new lombax and i know for a fact that you got this game with your ps5 have you have you even taken it out of shrimp crap have you had a chance to play it yet (laughs) well matt did um i haven't had a chance to play it yet but um yeah i find like when I was watching him play a little bit of it, it just like it has that look of like because with all the bolts flying everywhere all the time, it just like it feels like it was made for the PlayStation Five in that they were like, "What can we possibly do? Oh, I know, we have enough processing power to just throw nuts and bolts at everybody always. Yeah, <laughs> why don't we just do it?" <laughs> well, that was something that was always in the game. Like if you hit a bunch of crates, like a bunch of bolts would pop but there's out. There's so many. Ryan there are a lot of cloud of nuts and bolts all the time (laughs) (laughs) yeah you can't even see what else is going on because they are just like (gasps) particle effects bam (laughs) (laughs) well the funny thing is about this franchise is that I think on the PS5 it just because of the hardware jump it allows them to just take everything they've done prior and dial it up like the yeah, weapon effects they definitely and... ramped it up to 11 for sure <laughs> yeah but i i really enjoyed it i i thought it was a lot of fun it's a shorter experience as well but again like i think as my free time you know dwindles and having like i look for experiences that aren't just gonna be you know oh you can sit down for 15 minutes and enjoy it i know there are a lot of those games but what i'm looking for is like something i can sit down and play for an hour and a half make progress not feel lost when I get back. So you're looking for those like 10 hour ish experiences. <laughs> exactly. 10 to 20 hours is a good sort of angle. And I mean, definitely these last two games for me that I've mentioned have been exactly that, you know, something that I can finish in if I really want to in a couple of weeks or stretch out a couple months um, and, and enjoy that way as well. So, but they're, 
I, I'm not sitting here saying I don't play any games that say span multiple games or take hundreds of hours to finish. Like I, I have not given up on those yet. I just take uh, my sweet time with those. Um, they, like Valhalla, I'm still playing, but Ubisoft's still supporting. So it kind of works out um, <laughs> in that way. So, okay, you added a game to your list here, and I was on the fence because I did the same sort of thing. So um, we both put a game that is a, like, remastered edition that came out in 2021. So for me, mine was Alan Wake, and for you, it was Mass Effect. And I was like, did these even count? Like, these are really old things that we're bringing back again. <laughs> and I was just like, you know what? I don't care. I'm putting it on my list because, um, like, for me, uh, experiencing Alan Wake for the first time in the remastered version was awesome. And it also led me to Control, which I went back and looked. Control was on your list of honorable mentions back in 2019. So we haven't even given Control a Game of the Year nod and uh, so I just kind of like smooshed them together because um, I really loved like a control was a really good game on its own once I got over the initial hump. But what really sold me on it was the Alan Wake tie in and what they're trying to do with this grander universe. So I was just like, you know what, I'm going to smoosh them all together. It's a 2019 game plus a remaster of a super old game, but they all tie together into Remedy doing something super cool. So I'm just going to I'm just going to put it all on the list. <laughs> I think that's totally fine. I think those games uh, deserve the the mention. And honestly, I think with Control, it's totally fine because uh, the Ultimate Edition came out this year. So technically... I know you didn't play that one, but it's the same. It's pretty much the same game. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, you like there are other business, you know, conversations we can have about Control Ultimate Edition and the control you played on Game Pass um, and them being very similar. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it came out this year. And also, we don't have to we don't have to we don't have to explain ourselves. This is our list. What <laughs> this we is played. what we played. Exactly. Yeah. If we if we just put a list of five games we played in the last couple of weeks, that would still be fine. I mean, some of these, <laughs> I think most of my list is, is the last, is the later half of the year, which is kind of the trap you fall into. Yeah, I purposely go back through all of our show notes from the year and I pull every title of everything I've played because otherwise it, I would definitely fall into the what have I played in the last couple of months trap for sure. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I did Some the same things thing. I totally forgot. Like I forgot we played like medium and call of the sea and um, we played, we were here, super Mario 3d world. Like there were so many in the first half of the year that I was just like, I completely forgot about all of these games. <laughs> <laughs> I feel really bad about it. Cause they weren't bad experiences. I just, yeah, completely forgot about them. So uh, but one thing that you did play, like I mentioned, you put Mass Effect on your list. Um, how do you feel about about bringing Mass Effect up again? Did it have you finished all of the Legendary Edition? Like, have you played through all three games now? I was doing really well with it. Um, I played all of Mass Effect One, which I was super excited to do because I think that's where they did the most amount of work, mm -hmm. and it was obviously the farthest removed. Um, and I played all of two, and and you know I joke like hundreds of hours, but like the Mass Effect games are, I think about. You know, if you just want to go through and do mainline stuff and you're not, you know, you're not waiting around, those first two are about 30 to 40 hours, maybe mm -hmm. 40, maybe 40 to 60. That sounds like a lot when I say it out loud, but really, like, <laughs> it's it's not in, in when you look at, like, 
games that are infinite. Um, but no, <laughs> not to trudge back that way, but uh, no, I did not finish three. I think in three, I got to the point where we had sort of recruited our entire team. And I think I stopped just because I had been playing a lot of Mass Effect. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it. And And here's the thing. It's really... Um, there are certain companies, you know, video game companies where it's kind of like the, they've, they've sort of earned this treatment with some of their games they've put out, but it's kind of like also made it. So whenever they release something new, the conversation always goes to Andromeda or, uh, Anthem rightfully. So we need to keep those experiences fresh in our mind as we critique, you know, more products that they develop and, and, and hopefully they've learned. And I think, with Mass Effect Legendary Edition, I feel personally that they they looked at the criticisms of their last two games and said, look, like, we need to offer the proper trilogy. And I mean, people have been asking for a new sort of packaging of the, the Mass Effect trilogy as a sort of quote unquote legendary edition for quite a while. Um, I think the conversation started as soon as as soon as next gen consoles hit like not this generation but the previous one but the previous yeah yeah and technically this game did come out on the ps4 xbox one generation but has like some um enhanced patched stuff for for the new consoles and like i i think they did a really good job and obviously they didn't change drastically anything like they they addressed concerns people had about mass effect one in terms of its controls and ui which is actually why i think it deserves to be on your list is Mm -hmm. because they didn't just do a remaster they didn't just update the the textures and the resolution or anything like that they actually took a critical eye to their game and said what can we do that makes this better yeah exactly a hundred percent and i think that you know, um, they they bundle it all together. It's got all the DLC. So again, like that's why I'm kind of excited to play Mass Effect Three because Three had a lot of cool like side story. Exactly, it had a lot of cool side story and DLC that was sort of very important to to that mm-hmm. story when you're experiencing it literally. Like so, for me, when I went back, um, we beat Mass Effect Three when it came out, and then experienced each piece of DLC as the sort of pre final mission save, which goes completely against um the way you play games where it's like no there's a ticking clock i've got to go deal with the bad guy yeah (laughs) and essentially like it loads you back into the previous mission of like okay we got to go right now and deal with this thing but first i'm gonna go deep sea diving for some ancient aliens and um that's like and then i think that dlc at least makes sense in terms of like diverting your attention but i think there's another one was like i got to go solve a problem on a uh, club planet i'll be right back (laughs) <laughs> you know so i think experiencing it in a linear fashion where the dlc makes sense in the story uh i think that's a, a really good product i think the only missing thing is the multiplayer um but again like in terms of the single player campaigns it is a fantastic offering and i and i believe uh it it is on sale uh but it could also be hitting game pass you know in the near future due to being um an ea game that's been out for a while so it Mm -hmm. should it might actually have already moved over if not now then definitely in the next couple months because it's i think it's due up but yeah it's uh it is a great package and i mean if you have any if you've played the original mass effects and you want to go back i I think it is the best way to go back because they touched on everything i think there was a lot of issues with the original pc releases 
And this one addresses those concerns, like makes it so there's proper keyboard controls. Um, I think I was talking to Lou, my co-host on Zombies in my podcast, where he's playing on PC. And we were talking about the mini games in some of the in some of the either one or two. And we were describing completely different mini games, and I'm like, is there two mini games that I just was never served at random? <laughs> and it turns out because he was on PC, they actually had different mini games, and they and they um, ported them separately, you know, in a way where the and they addressed the control issues on both. So it's it's a really good package, honestly. If you've if you've held off, you've been waiting for a sale, like it is totally worth picking up because they did a great job bringing these games forward all right so we i guess we each have two left now yes <laughs> we're, we're moving through them pretty quick i think we're doing a good job um so uh which what do you want to talk about next well um i can quickly talk to life is strange true colors uh plus wavelengths dlc because this is one that i talked pretty extensively about um recently it came out in september I, I put it on here because I just had such a great time with it. And they made a Life is Strange game with characters that weren't annoying. And I know, Jocelyn, you don't believe me because... Yeah, so I still haven't played this. And I'm like, I could not believe that it made it onto your top five because I was just like, but how? I really <laughs> like, liked you it. You do know what this franchise is, right? <laughs> like, we are thinking about the same games. <laughs> yeah, well, this is the same guy who put uh, The Walking Dead, the first Telltale game on, on his list. So, like, I obviously love these adventure games when they're done correctly. Um, and they do sort of shoot to the top of the list because they, when they're, when the narrative is done properly, the characters are done justice and it is a game that doesn't waste your time and offers a lot of little extras that are easily achievable. Like it, it does quickly shoot to the top of the list. And I just felt the story they they told and the way they respected, um, the players, you know, time with all the characters that they were putting forward. I think the issue that we've had with previous Life is Strange games is that there's like one or two characters that we really like, but then the rest are just like either underdeveloped or not interesting or just downright annoying. And I really felt like True Colors had a an excellent cast of characters. There was not, there weren't any, in my opinion, there were not any annoying characters. And the ones that got close where you think, oh, the personality they're setting up with this guy, he's clearly going to be the annoying one. And it turns out, like, I think they they just wrote in a way where it wasn't, it wasn't annoying. It wasn't, you know, uh, nails <laughs> on the chalkboard. And I mean, it sounds like, man, he, it gets a, it gets a, a nod on the list because it wasn't annoying. It's like, yeah, it's a fun franchise, which is ruined by annoying characters in it's our opinion, true. you know? And I just had a good time with it. Like I said, it tells a great story and uh, the gameplay is a lot of fun it looks fantastic. Like the graphics are really, really good. Um, I one thing I don't like about um, the the franchise of adventure games is they kind of hit a mark in terms of what they what the graphics look like, and then they didn't really jump on from that. They kind of just kept that that sort of bar and set it, and kept moving through the generations. So the fact that this one still like you know moves the bar up in terms of its graphical you know look and feel I, I really appreciated that as well but uh yeah i wanted to give it a nod because i did have a lot of fun with it and it was nice to play a life is strange game where they were telling a cool story and had cool powers and just chilling in this like colorado town it was really good <laughs> 
Okay, I guess I'll have to take your word for it. I mean, my favorite way to avoid annoying characters is just play games where you don't actually really get to see the characters like humankind. (laughs) (laughs) When everybody's just a tiny little unit that you get to move around a map, then uh, yeah, it's really hard to be annoyed by their stupid teenage personalities. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. I feel like if uh, if if humankind was telling the kind of story that they told in Life is Strange, that'd be tough. Yeah, no, humankind is one of those games that I think we both played, and I never went back to it after we talked about it on the show. Did you go back to it? Yeah, I couldn't put it down. I think um, the the biggest letdown for me was that the multiplayer wasn't working. Oh. Um, that we were, yeah, like I was having so many issues. Like, um, it didn't know how to like. Um, authenticate me basically so I wasn't able to invite people into play multiplayer which is the part of the game that I really wanted to experience so I've played uh, a lot of the single player I don't know how many hours exactly but I mean like I was up all night many nights (laughs) so um, yeah this one just it really really grabbed me I really enjoyed being able to kind of like create my own culture almost and and kind of adjust at different points in the game because um, I'm so used to playing the civilization franchise which you choose a a pre-made civilization and you play through it and in humankind they kind of turn that on its head you can there still are pieces of civs that you can change in civ 6 um, in that like you could choose to found a religion or like basically by pursuing different um avenues to victory you're going to change the makeup of your society but in humankind every time you advance to a new era you can choose to like play a completely different way and but you're not just like hard turning into a different way of play you are layering it on top of what you've done in all the past eras so you can kind of like change your play style based on what you need to do at a certain point in every game. And uh, I think that that led to what I thought was really, really engaging, compelling gameplay. So um, I do have two two more titles or two titles on my list of five that are kind of these like city builder strategy type games. And uh, I it was it was very much what I was into this year. Um, I've always been a really big fan of Civ, but I've never really branched too far out of that franchise. And then, um, yeah, with Humankind and Imagine Earth this year, they were two of my favorite experiences. And it was very much like, go build stuff. <laughs> Don't die. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I really, really, really enjoyed them. Yeah, I I think with Humankind, I, I, I liked that they were offering like an alternative to civilization because I feel mm-hmm. like... It's, it, it's a weird it's been on top for so long yeah. well deserved for sure like they are amazing games but it was nice to see a bit of a new take and but still with the same level of polish and scale because that's the other thing is that often some of the competitors would come in and there'd be like you know six seven eight nine ten whatever things that you could play as but then, you know, Civ comes in and they're like, we have 57 civilizations you could choose from. And it's just like, how do you compete with that? Yeah. So I think humankind found a, a nice mix of ways to play that. Because realistically, I think there's only like, 
Well, actually, I don't know how many there are to choose from because they do give you different. So for instance, like you can't be the Americans in the ancient era because they didn't exist. So like it's not until you get to the modern era that one of the options that you have is the Americans. So um, like they put a lot of thought into that as well. And you can also like carry the same people that you are through to the next era. So like you could be the Egyptians all the way through to like the modern era if that's who you chose at the beginning and you bring it all the way through. So, I mean, there's lots of interesting decision points there. Um, and uh, and yeah, I just, uh, I've, I've really, really enjoyed it. And I mentioned Imagine Earth. Imagine Earth rounds out my top five list. Um, that one was one of those smaller experiences, Ryan, that you were talking about that kind of uh, came out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting it. It just kind of like popped up on my Steam and was like, hey, this thing came out this year and we think you'd like it. And I was like, all right, I'll give it a try. And then it was awesome. Like it had a really cool, like it's a strategy game and had a really cool um, kind of like story and reason why you were going to all these different planets. And there were a couple of weird characters, but they absolutely grew on you over time. Yeah. Oh, I really liked Imagine Earth. Um, it was a game that I played as well. And I think I beat the entire campaign. I enjoyed it so much. There's not a lot to offer there, but um there's quite a few levels to be honest and it just it, it it is it's not like civilization or humankind where it's like hey guess what do you have a lot of time like infinite <laughs> yeah, time do you have 15 <laughs> hours to play this game straight <laughs> yeah imagine earth respects your time while also respecting <laughs> that you like those type of games so it's for me i i didn't have it on my list uh, but i but i had i had played it and, and enjoyed it but it was one of those experiences that i felt you know, scratch that itch of, of wanting to play that type of genre, but also respecting that you might not have, you know, 15 hours, like you said, for me, civilization and, and humankind as well. I really suffer from that. Oh, just one more turn, you know, and, and it even goes to, I'll just finish this game. And then I never have to play it again. That's where my mind goes. Once the, <laughs> just one more turn, um, sort of goes too far it's like oh, it's two in the morning <laughs> but if i just spend one more hour and finish this game then i can uninstall never play again <laughs> <laughs> wow you take it all the way to uninstall i totally get that because you just like you get so invested and you're just like i just want to see how this plays out i just want to win and then i can take a break because <laughs> it does yeah it's uh it is it is something that is very uh frustrating at times and just yeah exhausting exhausting is a better word not frustrating exhausting because you just keep going you just keep going <laughs> And then it's 7 a.m. and you're like, I was supposed to sleep. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah, 100 uh, percent. But I think Imagine Earth was was very respectful of of your time and in, in terms of those campaign levels only lasting about a half hour to an hour, sometimes longer if you want to do all of the objectives. Um, and it's a game that the developers have been supporting. I mean, I still obviously have it in my Steam library. I'm not I'm not that crazy. I don't like delete it completely. But uh I have Imagine Earth in there and I see updates for it constantly. So the developers are adding new scenarios, adding, mm -hmm. you know, um, quality of life stuff. So it might even be a very different game from when we played it. Um, gosh, when did we talk about it? It was, it was definitely earlier in the year. It might have been March or April. I don't know. It feels like. Yeah, it was kind of it was kind of around the middle. I would say probably like June. <laughs> yeah, that, that feels that feels more accurate. Summertime. Um I mean, my last game that I have on this list is is a. I was kind of 
trying to decide i was surprised about this one actually yeah i was trying to decide whether to put it on here because there's obviously a lot that has come out this year that that i've played that you would kind of scream like oh that makes more sense on the top five uh but for me astro's playroom which was a game that technically released in 2020 but because it is a exclusive to the ps5 uh, i didn't play it until until this year i put it on there because not only was it an experience that really showcased uh the dual sense controller like it is it is a really good example of what developers can or could do with that controller uh if they really lean into it and also it's just a really fun platformer that i played with the kids and they absolutely loved it it was and it's short it's sweet it's about five hours long it's totally easy to platinum um you can get in there and get all the trophies and have a, a great time doing it and it's also like a an exploration of the PlayStation history that I just do not have um, as much experience with. Cause I really didn't jump into the PlayStation until PS3. Mm-hmm. I obviously knew of the experiences that were on the PS1 and the PS2, but I, I never owned them. So like being able to collect and examine like high res models of like the PlayStation two, uh, uh, you know, um, multi-controller deck was really is as someone who really appreciates like old video game tech and video game history, it is really a walk through memory lane for that, for that, uh, that platform's history and it's free. It comes with every PS five. So you own it. I highly recommend you check it out. Yeah, I played it. Um, I played, well, probably only about like 45 minutes to an hour of it just while I was waiting for everything else to kind of like download and install because it comes like preloaded. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like yeah, it's, that's it's right. ready to go. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I was just kind of messing around in there because uh, I remembered that you had been talking about it. And yeah, it's, it's pretty fun. Um, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's the same as the, um, I can't remember the names of them, but, um, when like the Connect first came out and, like the I, I feel like every platform when they when they have something that's kind of gimmicky, they always like make their own like showcase or show off game to play with that new tech. And uh, that's definitely what this is. It was like, hey, you can do this thing with your controller. Now you can do that thing and see how it vibrates funny. And, you know, also you do these things with the triggers that are, you know, don't have to go all the way and which I do like the adaptive triggers. Um, but yeah, it's it's very much a, this is what our controller can do, but it's the best one of any of those type of games that I've played for sure. I didn't finish it, but yeah, I, I, I had gone through it and I think that because it it just it hits those marks of like exploring video game history, you know, presenting these collectibles that are like actual items that were released at some point in the past 30 years and it's just a fun platformer and it's free and it showcases the dual sense i mean it just kind of worked and this being a year with uh not a lot of like big releases but enough enough big releases that they dominated most of my list but uh, i just i felt i felt like looking back at that experience it was a good chunk of fun that i had and uh I haven't even I haven't deleted it from the PS5 because I always feel like oh, it'd be really fun to jump back in there. Like kids got a real kick at a, you know, um, there's these levels that are kind of like Super Monkey Ball where you're kind of like controlling, you know, Astro who's in this like robotic ball and you have to like zip the ball up <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. and and you feel that as you're like, you know, you know, uh, using the touchpad to, to control the zipper. And there's just all these little touches that they work with. And, and I don't think there will be another game 
to come out outside of maybe a sequel from the same developers that will utilize the controller in the capacity that this game Mm -hmm. did. Um, But I am really looking forward to seeing the touches that come from, you know, even Rift Apart really didn't have a lot of that DualSense stuff. I hear Returnal does have um, some good implementation, but there really hasn't been another game that I've played that that feels like it's using it outside of the gimmicky feel, you know. Um, I think Astro's Playroom kind of transcends that like gimmick of a, a tech demo and and becomes its own thing, similar to you know Wii Sports, which was technically mm. a tech demo, but really transcended that and became a game of its own, you know. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, so that's kind of where I'm standing with it, and and also just it it was so much fun. To, to play with the kids uh, when I wasn't freaking out that they were holding a very expensive controller. I, you know, but uh, we, we got through that together. We got through that together. <laughs> good, good. Well, I hope you guys all enjoyed our game of the year picks. Uh, speaking of things that we got through together, Extra Life, we're done. Yay. Um, well, I mean, we're done from a streaming standpoint. You can still donate up until December 31st if you are so inclined. Uh, our team is nearly at $7,000 raised, which is our best year to date. I think I had my best individual year this year. I don't know about you, Ryan, but. Um, yeah, it was uh, kind of a crazy extra life year and uh, it's just been getting bigger and bigger and bigger and we love doing it. And uh, we were able to get Josh to his goal as well um, this past Friday. So, uh, yeah, it was it was a really good year. And I think we kind of we needed a win. <laughs> and uh, there's no there's no better team to play for than the Children's Miracle Network. So, uh, yeah, we had a great year. Thank you guys so much, everyone, for supporting us. Um, you can head on over to bit.ly slash TGI Extra Life 2021. Like I said, up until December 31st, if you would still like to donate, there is still time. Uh, also, if you would like to support Ryan and I and what we do here at The Gamers Inn, you can head on over to patreon.com slash The Gamers Inn to support the show. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit uh, briefly about games that we wish we played and some honorable mentions from our game of the year list that didn't make the main list, but were worth worth the time. So uh, let's start talking about the first one, Boyfriend Dungeon, because both of us put this in our honorable mentions. Um, This game for me was the first like roguelike dungeon thing that I enjoyed. Like normally I hate those games, but this was this weird like smooshing together of a dating sim with like a dungeon crawler. And I was like, why is this working? (laughs) But it worked so well. (laughs) Yeah, it, uh, it it's a game that I think um, sometimes you see those like genre mashers that come out and, and like it only it doesn't work because it doesn't appeal to either audience like, oh, it's 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 an OK, you know, dungeon crawler and it's an OK visual novel, but it's not the the two together don't really work. And I, and I think that in this case, um, it did work well as a combination and it was a lot of fun to play. And, you know, starting out, uh, the combat can feel very basic, very simple. Um, but you do have to kind of give it, uh, you know, a couple hours for you to get in and, and unlock more of the abilities for each weapon. I found by like maybe the second or third unlock, which happens very early on, um, it felt a lot better. Like it, it, it felt like more of a, more of a complex dungeon crawler and it was a lot of fun. Um, and I think this one, this is one that I kind of played on, you know, Xbox and on the phone through Xbox Cloud with the uh, with the mobile controller, and it was a lot of fun to bounce back and forth. It was it was a very good portable game. 
I can't speak to the portable side, but no. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, for me, it was just such a surprising experience because neither one of those genres were games that I normally would have played. And the only reason that I picked this up was because of the content warning controversy around it. And so um, I was really glad that that happened. I didn't really agree with the, the all the controversy, but uh, I'm glad that at least it was enough to... Uh, like they say, there's, you know, no bad publicity. I mean, it wouldn't have even been on my radar if it wasn't for that. So uh, I'm really glad that that happened because uh, it introduced me to uh, to a pretty good game. Um, this is something, Ryan, you and I played a little bit together. I've now finished solo, but um, the Sea of Thieves Pirates of the Caribbean content, um, I put this in my honorable mentions instead of my main uh, list just because I feel like... Sea of Thieves, as well as ESO, which is also on my honorable mentions, I'll just mention quickly, um, the content that they're putting out in terms of like expansions and stuff to their their main, you know, game as a service. Uh, it's just it's all really great content. And if I had if I did put them in my game of the year, they'd be in my game of the year every year. <laughs> but um, I felt like Sea of Thieves in particular um, did a really great crossover with Disney uh, in the Pirates of the Caribbean content. There was about eight to 10 hours, which that's the other thing. I feel like the size of the Pirates update makes it worth mentioning because it was about um, like, yeah, depending on on how quickly you went through it, it was, you know, somewhere between six, eight, 10 hours, somewhere around there um, of content that was completely solo, solo-able. Uh, and it told a really cool story and it wasn't like, Disney taking over Sea of Thieves or Sea of Thieves, like just putting Disney skins on characters. They did a really good job of bringing like bridging the gap between the two worlds and explaining why Pirates of the Caribbean characters ended up in the Sea of Thieves. And it all had to do with like the afterlife, which is themes that had been explored in the in the Pirates movies already. And um, yeah, I thought they tied it together really well and in a really interesting way. And then, you know, it had uh, each chapter that you played through. Again, it was all released at the same time. Sea of Thieves does these things called Tall Tales and they have chapters within these Tall Tales. And uh, everything that you played through in the Pirates content just felt good. It was fun to play. It was engaging the puzzles in some cases were pretty difficult and uh yeah like i really really enjoyed it and i thought it was a, a big enough update that it was worth a worth a mention for this year no 100 percent. they did a great job with that content i only i think i only played like the first couple chapters with you um and i, I do need to go back and, and maybe you, the yeah you and it. i only played the first we only played through the first chapter so there's i think five chapters altogether. And you said it's very soloable, right? It is. Yeah, I played the whole thing solo. The only thing is there is a fairly extensive naval battle in the final chapter, which can be difficult to do by yourself. It took me a very long time. I want to say it was like half an hour, or 45 minutes of me just sailing around trying to do this naval battle because it just is very hard to steer your ship shoot your cannons, like <laughs> make sure you don't get hit by stuff. <laughs> like it was, it was tedious. Um, you do get the help of like, there's um, a whole bunch of like AI ships that are on your side that eventually will complete the scenario for you if you can't do it yourself. Um, but obviously the faster you sink enemy ships, the faster the scenario gets completed. So I am like sailing is not my forte <laughs> in Sea of Thieves. So it took me a very long time 
uh, to complete that um, that naval battle. But outside of that, I think it's completely soloable, and you are actually put into your own instance in Sea of Thieves. So you don't even really like once you go through the portal into the pirates content, you're not going to see anybody else, which is really cool because then it gives you just time to relax and kind of explore because they've built a lot of different um, like areas. Like if you're if you're familiar with the movies or you're familiar even with the ride at Disneyland, um, there's there's a lot of areas like and Disneyland and the ride. The one that sticks out the most to me because I had I just had such a great time in this area was like when you first go around the first couple of bends, you're in this like swamp and there's actually like a Pirates of the Caribbean like restaurant that you can go to. Um, I've heard, I've never been there. I think it's expensive and really hard to get a reservation. But anyways, you can, there's this like swampy area that you kind of go through and it gives you like the background of, of like Pirates of the Caribbean and whatever and starts the ride. And uh, in Sea of Thieves, they like recreated that swamp, but then like made it bigger and you have to kind of like explore through it to to find things to solve the puzzles. And man, I had a couple of like spooky, scary, like, wait, what just happened kind of moments in there? And uh, it was kind of creepy and I was there by myself and like, oh man, I don't know. They just did such a good job of expanding on and making the two universes come together in a way that like it never felt forced. It never felt weird. Like it just, oh man, it was just the best like mashup of two things I've ever seen. It was yeah. really good. Really, really good. It's funny. Um, I had played a little bit more Sea of Thieves with, uh, with Crofton and Bo and Mike because um, they've been playing a lot. And I kept saying like, we should do the Sea of Thieves stuff because I haven't done it yet. And you guys want to play more narrative stuff. And it's like, oh, that seems too difficult. It seems like we should probably like play the main game first. Oh, no, 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 no. Like the the thing about the the Pirates content is they knew that they were going to have a lot of people that were going to pick up Sea of Thieves just because they had Pirates of the Caribbean content. So that's what I say. Like, well, as soon as you go through the portal, you're in your own instance. So nobody's going to mess with you. You can take it at your own pace and you can just like. Yeah, like it is very accessible. It's very and like Sea of Thieves in general, there's no player power level, right? So like me going in on day one is going to be the same as somebody else who's been playing for three years in terms of how much damage my gun does. So it's not like the enemies are are particularly like overpowered or anything like they knew they were going to have people fresh into Sea of Thieves that were just there for pirates content. So it is it's very accessible while still being fairly challenging and the puzzles that are in it are really cool too so yeah no i would say a hundred percent like just go dive into the pirates content like you don't need to do anything else first cool well i'll definitely uh have to mention it. i think they might have done it now uh now that i think about it they uh they they were i think bo was giving an update on core but yeah like i really need to get back to that game and it, it looks so great and they've actually uh i think they patched there was an issue on the Xbox because, or the series X at least, cause there was like some screen tearing. Um, but last time I had played it, they had fixed it. So I got to get back to it. Uh, that is a game that just continues to surprise and evolve. And I, I, I can't wait to see what they do next with that one. Cause it feels like they've done so much in just the Absolutely. last year. Um, you know, I've got a couple of, you know, speaking of Xbox, uh, and, and game pass, I've, it shouldn't surprise anyone that I have a couple of game pass games that I want to talk about. <laughs> um, and I mean, you know, this first one, like Halo Infinite, you'd think, oh, wow, that should have been on the top five for Ryan, just the way he talks about Halo. And it was tempting. The game, 
I know has been out for two weeks. Uh, we don't necessarily have like a cutoff um, on the show. We can well, just talk it, about Sometimes it's kind of hard to know, right? Like if yeah. you've only been able to play it for a few hours, like is it actually one of your favorite experiences of the year? Like the, it can be tough when you haven't had a lot of time because I mean, yes, it came out two weeks ago, but also <laughs> we're now days away from Christmas. Like yeah. this is a very busy time of year, especially for someone with three kids under five. Like <laughs> I have been playing a lot of Halo Infinite. Uh, I have not had a chance to talk about it on this show yet. I feel like it's a game that will definitely get a mention and or another discussion on next year's game of the year. Uh, but this year I just haven't finished it yet. And I feel like it's a game where I am enjoying it. I, I'm enjoying it. Uh, but the open world nature combined with the traditional halo levels, it's, I want to finish it and kind of get the idea of like, um, my overall sort of feelings on the whole thing, like the, and, and the whole scope of the game, because like when I'm doing the open world stuff, I'm like, Oh, this is really fun. But really, I just love to jump into a traditional halo level. And then right now where I am in the story, I'm like, man, I've been in this traditional halo level for way too long. I kind of want to get back out to the open world. And <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I, I think it can go either way, depending on, on, on whether you've, you've enjoyed the game. I, I am enjoying the game. Um, the grappling hook is like, that should be game of the year, not Halo Infinite, but the grappling hook in, in Halo Infinite is so satisfying to use that grappling hook, which will hook onto anything. I mean, when we talk about, um, just the go anywhere, do anything type mentality in some of these games, that grappling hook, uh, feels like, um, the way it felt when they added uh, realistic swinging, quote unquote, realistic swinging in Spider-Man 2, you know, where when you shot the web and it connected, to, it connected to something in the real world and you swung, that was sort of revolutionary in terms of like that specific type of gameplay. And, and then further and ultimately redefined in um, Insomniac Spider-Man games, it really feels like that grappling hook in Halo Infinite it takes Halo and changes it up. Like if you're going to put Halo in an open world, it kind of seems like, oh, that that seems like natural. You got a bunch of vehicles, a bunch of flying vehicles. But for the most part, you're still running around on, on foot. So having that, that grappling hook, which I put all of my upgrade points into right away, it changes everything. Like suddenly you're you're grappling up mountains, you're, you're, you're grappling into encounters, and um, you can get upgrades where when you hook somebody, like it automatically melees at the end of it. Um, you can get a further upgrade where you can like do like a like a dash move and and do an area of effect stun. It's just so fun, but I do need to get more time with it because like the story is a little like more. This is gonna sound weird, more incoherent than most Halo games, you know. Which is funny to say because most Halo games have like, <laughs> you got to read the novels and the comics and then watch the YouTube series, you know? That's it's always, that's always my biggest like hurdle to get over with Halo. I mean, like, obviously we did the road to Halo, which I hated. <laughs> yeah, we don't and bring that up anymore. Yeah, like, so, I mean, I was hesitant to get into this and the only reason I'm going to play Halo Infinite is literally because it's available on Game Pass. Like, I would never buy it, but like... I don't know because they put so much extra content out in various ways. I'm like, am I even going to know what's going on in this game? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this is the thing. Um, like I said, we haven't had a chance to talk about it on the show, but I'm, I'm glad you're going to check it out so we can talk about it in the new year because 
they, with the story, they kind of, they don't reset it, but they skip past what I think a lot of folks that played through Halo 5 might find disappointing because at the end of Halo 5, there's this like AI uprising, Cortana becomes a bad guy. And at the beginning of Halo Infinite, it's like the resolution, at least as it appears to that issue has happened off screen. Um, Cortana has been dealt with, the AI uprising is over, but now we're onto this other thing, which is Halo. It's, there's another Halo, the Covenant are back, but it's, they're called the Banished, and you're fighting brutes, grunts, elites, and, you know, the, the typical sort of Covenant enemies. And in that sense, it is a reset of the gameplay of, you know, going back to that Halo original trilogy, but from a story perspective, they kind of, they don't drop it. They just kind of like explain it away so they can get you into a new Halo experience. Um, and that's why I want to finish it. Cause I want to see like, do they eventually get back to it? And there are hints that they are, you know, dealing with it. You know, um, Master Chief's been out of commission for six months. So he's kind of coming in like, it, it, it kind of reminds you a little bit of um, another game that will go unmentioned because it, it did make the Discord go a little wonky but from a story perspective in that <laughs> zelda game uh you know link comes back after a hundred years and he is sort of dropped into this world to save it and then the same thing happens in in halo infinite master chief's been out for six months and he is literally is that dropped all in. it's been yeah six months yeah. oh it looks like so much longer from like the trailers that i saw <laughs> well i mean it's kind of weird like six months it's six months and what's happening is is that I guess um, Cortana was lured to this halo and they trapped her there and quote unquote deleted her. And this is all explained at the very beginning of the game. And, but the banished have also followed you there, which, and then you, it, a war starts on the, this new halo. Uh, essentially what's happening is, is that they're fighting over the, the halo or, or, or a weapon that can destroy all living matter in the universe. Um, so the banished want to use it. And, and obviously the, the the alliance the humans don't want you to do that they do not want the halo ring to fire uh and and that's where it goes back to that that's originally that is the story of halo one and um they kind of return to that in this one and and i want to see how the story resolves uh i like what they've done with the open world i think it really fits for halo i just think that i need a little more time with it and i wasn't sure i wanted to throw it on the list um but I am looking forward to, to playing more. But uh, another one on Game Pass that I, uh, in the same boat as you, I, I would not have picked it up. I would not have purchased it, but played it because it's on on uh, Xbox Game Pass. That's uh, Forza Horizon 5, which is a game I very much enjoy, but I wanted to give it sort of a nod because like, I'm not really that big into racing games, but this mm-hmm. one really kind of, it it stood out as like not being a realistic racer. You played this a lot more than I thought you were going to. Like, you talked about this a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what is happening to Ryan? Are we sports gamers now? <laughs> no, no. We just like to drive cartoonish cars uh, around, uh, you know, Mexico. I, I think, like, <laughs> it is a game, like, if you have a Series X, and I was corrected. We, we haven't we haven't offered this correction, but I was offered a correction in that this is also on Xbox One uh, playable. Uh, you can play it on Xbox One. And, but I played it on series X, but like Forza Horizon four, which got a next gen patch last year, Forza Horizon five is very much a a very good 
representation of what you can do with next gen graphics. And I really enjoyed uh, my time with it. I loved racing around. I mean, it's got diminishing returns when you're not like a hardcore racing fan. Like I eventually did hit that wall of like, ah, I don't need to play this anymore. Like I think I've, I've gotten my fill and that's kind of why it's on the honorable mentions. Cause like, I think it's certainly worth checking out. And if you're a racing fan, it might be higher up on your list. But for me, I like, I had fun with it. I played it a lot more than I thought I would. Um, but I did have a really good time with it. It's, there's a lot to do in that game. Like we talk about a game that respects your time. Like I think Forza Horizon 5 is like, we respect your time, but also here's 300 things you can do this season. But next season, which starts in three days, you'll be able to do another 200 things. So enjoy yourselves. Uh, That's obviously, you know, me exaggerating a little bit, but there is a (laughs) lot in that game. Uh, It can be quite distracting, but if you just kind of like drive to the next objective and you're just looking to do a couple of races it's a great way to like just chill for 30 minutes to an hour it was it was a good time that's good i'm glad i'm i'm glad that we kind of like branched out a little bit <laughs> just a little <laughs> from bit what yeah. we, just a little bit just like well like so for me and i guess i didn't actually like play this so maybe it's like that's why it didn't make it anywhere near my actual game of the year list but uh resident evil 8 it's not the kind of thing that i would normally pay a lot of attention to like i i've seen people play the the earlier resident evil games and i'm just like nope 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 and uh so i didn't actually play resident evil 8 but i had a streamer and i talked about this on the show i had a streamer i really really enjoy she's a dead by daylight streamer she goes by yusifka and uh she is so entertaining and she played resident evil 8 start to finish the day it came out so i just watched her play through and um it was like it was interesting and not what i would expect out of a resident evil game like i've seen people like play seven especially when like vr support came out and stuff and i was just like oh my god that seems like horrifying terrifying (laughs) like claustrophobic oh my god and then resident evil 8 was like almost like open (laughs) worldy like in comparison And um, it had a lot of like plot points that I was just kind of like, this isn't as scary as I thought it was going to be. Like, I think it would have been totally fine for me to just play through Resident Evil 8 on my own, which is kind of weird for me to say because I've never played any of the franchise because they're terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) I I also watched all of Resident Evil 8. I watched uh, Scott play it and... um, he he's obviously scared of everything but i i think you're right like uh, resident evil 8 is a game that is sort of set up by resident evil 7 as being this scary game but then when you play it i I know a lot of the reviews were saying like there's a couple moments uh you know there's a couple boss encounters off the top of my head that i'd be like yeah that'd be pretty scary um (laughs) but for the most part the most game it's it's more along the lines of resident evil 4 which was more action oriented and just uh just a a less scary experience and yeah after i it's the first time i actually asked myself this question of like now that i've watched this whole game i i i'm probably not going to buy and play it like that's the first time i've ever watched a whole game's playthrough mm-hmm. and it honestly made me think like oh okay i kind of understand why maybe video companies were against let's plays for a while <laughs> um but I, I, I'm not against Let's Plays. I think they're a, a useful tool for marketing. And for most games, you are going to go experience it yourself. But for me, um, I did kind of have that conundrum of like, oh, maybe maybe I don't need to play Resident Evil 8. Like, I think, I think I experienced 
uh, I experienced it the way I wanted, the way I'm good experiencing the way I did, but, um, I did feel a little bad (laughs) after I'd watched it. (laughs) I feel like I could enjoy myself. Like I'm far enough removed from it where I could probably play it and, and at least be prepared for that creepy boss encounter. I think it was like the, the weird slug baby that, that eats you or whatever. I can't remember. It was, but I remember it being creepy. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that is true. There was the the weird slug baby thing that well, you don't really fight it, right? You just have to avoid it. Yeah, that sounds 10 times worse. I'd almost yeah. rather like when they take away your weapons and they say now you need to strategically run away from this thing. It's like, "Okay, great." Yeah. Which means you're definitely going to get caught at least once, which is terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I mean, if I could have someone like remote play that section, I might play that game. <laughs> Yeah, we'll play it. yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it did have that one creepy dollhouse. I forgot about that. But yeah. Um, and then uh, so for me, the last one on my honorable mentions was Call of the Sea. Um, I thought that was um, really well done in terms of just the like I saw the twist coming a mile away, but um, I really enjoyed the puzzle solving in that game. So I thought it was it's another kind of like narrative puzzle solver walk around type game. Um, but it very much. Like it just it had a lot of different puzzles like you didn't have to do the same thing very often. Um, And and overall, I thought it was it was really, really fun and well done. So I thought it was worth uh, mentioning just down here in honorable mentions. But yeah, it's it's one of those like also has very kind of defined areas. So if you are looking for a smaller, shorter experience, like you could go in, solve the puzzles in one area and then be done for the night, like in an hour or so. So um i checked a lot of boxes for me yeah another game pass game too i feel like another game pass game yeah yeah i I think we definitely took advantage of of game pass this year they had a lot of really good offerings and i know that like we get some shit sometimes about how much we talk about game pass but i was just a good service it's it's let me have a lot of experiences that i wouldn't have had otherwise like halo included like i downloaded that i'm ready to play it i just haven't gotten into it yet because we've been so busy with the holiday season but like I would not have touched another Halo title with a 10 foot pole, but because it's free on Game Pass, I'm going to try it. So Uh, that's my fault. Everybody at home, in case you're wondering. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, I'm I got a couple more games here for the honorable mentions. I could do these quick. So Tales of Arise, I felt like I had to mention it. Um, I'm still playing through it. It's a game I'm very much enjoying. I am playing through it for the update corner, which is a, a segment I do on the TGI Patreon mini that's on patreon.com slash the gamers in. And it's a game I I'm I've been playing more uh, anime JRPG games over the last couple of years. And Tales of Arise was the follow up to Xenoblade Chronicles 2, uh, which I guess could also warrant a mention because I did finish that game finally this year. <laughs> but uh, Tales of Rise, brand new, just came out this year. I think it launched in September, and I've been having a really good time with it. It's telling a story that is um, sort of... It's different from other JRPG stories that, that we've played through. It it seems like it's going to go down that that trope where it's like, oh, we're the, we're the good guys, and we're going to rise up against the bad guys. And the first area is certainly like, yep, good guys fight bad guys. And then as you move forward through the game, you get to the new areas and it's like, oh, they aren't going to just do the same formula of good guys fight bad guys. There's a, a different nuanced um, scenario in each of these these regions that you have to sort of navigate through. 
And it is a linear experience. It's not something where there's player choice or, you know, a lot of like side content, which again, I also appreciate because I'm, I'm not being distracted by, you know, go collect five rabbit pelts and then sell them to six. Um, I don't know how you could sell five to six, but you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, it's not sending you on these wild goose chases. It's usually like, yeah, you know, if you could kill this really strong monster, but if you can't, it's totally fine. We'll deal with it later. It's just, you know, it's all good. You can kind of just main path the story, which is what I've been doing. I've been having fun with it. Um, and another one that I, I wanted to mention was not necessarily the Super Mario 3D World aspect of it, but the Bowser's Fury side mm. of that offering. I think that Nintendo, whenever it gets weird and experimental with their games, is it's it can be hit and miss, don't get me wrong. But I felt like Bowser's Fury was a really cool sort of here's an open area and um, it is a self-contained level that evolves over time as you're collecting these. I think they were the shines they brought back. Um, and you can turn into a giant, uh, you know, cat that fights another giant, you know, uh, Bowser. I can't remember if Bowser's a cat. I think Bowser's just a giant, <laughs> giant evil uh, Godzilla type monster. I think that's yeah, the case. Yeah. yeah. So I really had a good time with that. And it's kind of funny to think that, you know, purchasing an $80 Nintendo game and you end up playing like the, the just the bonus content. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it is, it, it sounds weird to say this, but it's almost worth picking up just to have 3D World is really cool. Don't get me wrong. And they added the online multiplayer, which works surprisingly well. Um, I think we tried it and, and it worked quite well, but uh that Bowser's Fury stuff is totally worth it. Uh, checking out, I think that one actually might be on sale. Uh, to be honest, during Boxing Week, but yeah, I had a great time with it. I really enjoyed Bowser's Fury, and I I want to see Nintendo do more of that. Like they've they've gotten more experimental as they've sort of embraced like the smaller downloadable only experiences and like the DLC and stuff. And I want to see them do more more along those lines. So I, mm -hmm. I hope they continue down that path, but I, uh, I really enjoyed it. So did you want to, did you want to talk about ones that we wish that we'd played? Because I know there's going to be some people that are like, how could you not talk about blood? <laughs> yeah. I think there are like, um, I don't know how much detail we want to go into, but I can not like, too much, not too much. <laughs> I can definitely quick fire these. So for me, uh, returnal seems like an obvious one. It's a next gen exclusive. It's certainly a game I want to pick up uh, if I don't get it for Christmas. I want to, you know, hint, I was going to say, yeah, this one, this one is definitely on a few lists, I yeah. think. So yeah, it's <laughs> probably uh, you guys will hear about it in 2022. <laughs> oh, there we go. So yeah, I, I think it's on sale for Boxing Week. So I, I said to, I, I put it on the Christmas list and I said to Ashley, like, hey, you know what? If you don't get it, I think it's going to be on sale right through Christmas. So <laughs> typical adult, if I don't get it for Christmas, I'll just buy yeah, it. It's fine. Buy it on Boxing Day. Yeah. Exactly. That's what Boxing Day is for. <laughs> I think that's, yeah, like it, it, there's, yeah, for sure. That's what I would normally do. And, and I'm not going to go crazy. And it's like, oh, if I don't get anything, I'm just, you know. Um, but Returnal is one of those. Uh, I meant to get it. I think there was a struggle with. Um, the way they handled their save mechanic, they have addressed that. So now you can sort of quote unquote pause a run through because essentially you had to leave the game running in rest mode. And if the game tried to update, it would wipe your your run. So that was a problem. And as someone who can only play a couple hours at a time, I really don't want to spend, you know, uh, three hours playing to have like an hour and a half of my my gameplay wiped. So they've addressed that. So I said when they did that, I would look into it. So I'm going to pick that one up. 
Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is a game I got um, on Black Friday for half price. I've played a little bit of it, but I wish I had played more of it. I feel like it probably would have been higher on the list if I had, you know, finished it. I am enjoying what I play, but I'm still very early on. Um, Psychonauts 2 was a game again that I played a little bit of. It's on Game Pass, and I just I didn't stick with it, but I hear so many good things. And I've been, I played a little bit of it with Caden and he's really enjoying it too. It's a fun sort of cartoony, um, 3d action platformer game that, uh, that really those type of games don't really get made very much anymore. Um, and it's nice to see Psychonauts 2 finally come out and Inscription was a game that everyone's talked about. I know we played Pony Island for this show and it is a follow-up from the developer of Pony Island and it's a it's like a card battling game so i think i'm going to pick that one up on the steam sale so i just i have not had a chance to check it out so i want to do that and the reason i skipped this one i'm going to come back to it because i know it's on your list as well which is kenna bridge of spirits which is this fantastic looking 3d action game that uh um is from the developers that previously made a majora's mask short movie Mm -hmm. um and it's a game that i unfortunately didn't play upon release i think it came out right around tales of arise so i i opted to wait yeah it came out in september late september this year yeah busy time and very busy time yeah it's a game i want to get back to on the playstation 5 i feel like I'm tempted to pick it up on PC, but I know it wouldn't run as well as it would. Yeah, I'm in that same sort of like boat right now where like my PC is fine, but especially where it's been impossible to get a graphics card in the last couple of years. Um, my now my next gen consoles are the better place to play because my PC is lagged so far behind. So, uh, yeah, I mean, even when we were doing Extra Life, I was having trouble streaming from a single PC setup. So it's uh yeah i think from now on at least until i can upgrade the P- or replace the pc um i'm gonna be choosing the consoles over over playing things on the pc plus you know it's just so nice to relax on the couch sometimes <laughs> but yeah i i definitely think it's it's a it's a console type of a game for sure yeah yeah i'm uh i'll, I'll probably pick it up <laughs> I, I said i wouldn't pick up all these games over the holidays but um here i am you're gonna pick up all these games over the holidays <laughs> yeah we'll see yeah yeah for me uh so it takes two i played a little bit with my husband we have joked about it calling it the divorce game because that's how it starts and uh it's a really fun like two-player co-op puzzle solving type game um but i only played like an hour of it maybe like i'm very 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 like just at the very beginning of the game. So I didn't feel like it could, you know, go in my game of the year or my honorable mentions. Although I do wish I had played a lot more of it because obviously it won game of the year at the game awards. So there's definitely something there. So I was sad that, uh, that I didn't have a chance to actually sit down and play it. And I blame final fantasy. Cause honestly, it's a two player game. I started playing with my husband and then the final <laughs> fantasy expansion came out and I haven't seen him since. So, um, it's just, it's yeah, I, I, I blame him for, for that. <laughs> but, uh, there's also, uh, so cyberpunk 2077 is on my list and this is mostly just because I feel like it got a bad rap and it's not the kind of game that I think I would normally enjoy. I just feel like it was a huge release this year. I think they've made a lot of steps to make things right for players. 
I have the next gen consoles now I could try it on. And I just like I feel like maybe it didn't get a fair shake and and maybe I should try it. But um, yeah, it's it's definitely on my list of probably should have at least tried it, <laughs> which is also the last one here. Far Cry 6 on my list of which I played. Um, I did like uh, some of the more recent Far Cries that have come out. And uh, so I feel like um, including that like post um, post warhead explosion one, which I can't remember what it was called now, um, but um, hmm. it was like there was there was the 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 one that was based in like Montana or whatever. And then the follow up to that one. Yeah, it was like the post apocalyptic one. Yeah, with all the like pink paint. <laughs> I can't remember. And I can't remember what they were called. But anyways, I played those and I, and I liked them. <laughs> and uh, and now I'm like, I'm looking at Far Cry 6 and I've seen um, so many people like praising the actors' performances and the voice work and stuff. And like, it looks really interesting. I just, I don't know what it was this year, but yeah, Far Cry 6, I, it just kind of came and went. And I was like, oh, I probably would have liked that. I should, I should do that at some point. But now it has kind of been relegated to the list of, I'll buy it when it's on sale, <laughs> which I feel a little bit bad about that maybe it would have been worth a, a game of the year mention. But uh, yeah, we'll have to see. Some of these, I think you guys will probably see us talking about in, in the first couple months of uh, 2022. So stay tuned for that. Ryan, was there anything else you wanted to mention before we wrap this show up? No, I think uh, I think the only thing I'd say is with Cyberpunk 2077, it's a game that you're right. I think it got a bad rap, but for good reason on some of the base consoles that came out. Oh, yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. Some of the criticism was warranted for sure. Yeah. But along those lines, uh, I played that game in, in completion on Xbox One X and it ran just fine. I, I, I enjoyed my time with it. Um, and it does have an enhanced patch on the Series X, but I mean, if you've waited this long, it might be worth waiting a little bit longer because the full next-gen versions, which will be a free upgrade um, for both of us, uh, will be out at some point in 2022. So it might be worth waiting just a little bit longer to get that extra polish um, on that game. So uh, they've certainly worked really hard on it, but um, more work to be done as they look to release the next-gen versions. Uh, well, I guess current gen versions now um, with the uh, Series X and uh, PlayStation 5 versions due at some point in the new year. All right. So I hope you guys enjoyed our Game of the Year episode, a kind of retrospective on everything we've played this year. Uh, if you think we missed something or you just want to join in the conversation and let us know what your Games of the Year were this year, Head on over to bit.ly slash TGI Discord to join the conversation. You can also hit us up on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn at Joss Plays, Ryan is at R. Murphy, and don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers Inn. Thanks for staying at The Gamers Inn. Remember, tune in next week. Not next week, actually, though, because we're taking a week off. So tune in the week after that. <laughs> see you in the new year, everybody. Yeah, we'll see you in the new year. Thank you guys so much for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.